This is episode 423 of the AWS podcast, released on February 7, 2021. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS podcast. Simon Lynch here with you. Great to have you back. And I'm joined all the way from Herndon, Virginia, by Ryan Hayes, who's a solution builder here at Amazon. Welcome to the podcast, Ryan. Hey, Simon. Thanks for having me today. Thanks for coming on board. And uh, I love talking to solution builders because you build stuff and you solve things with solutions. But uh, we're talking about a really interesting topic today, which are AWS solutions constructs. But before we dive into that, maybe let's step back and, and just say, you know, what was the team trying to solve for when when they kicked off this project? Yeah, so this project started, I think we broke ground on it a little over a year and a half ago now. Um, we released the GA version um, back over the summer, right around June, July timeframe. And really what we we're trying to accomplish with this is, you know, we, ha- we have such great tools for folks who are building on AWS, um, you know, CloudFormation. We have the AWS Cloud Development Kit or CDK. And you know, we've really seen a lot of empowerment for builders to be able to model their infrastructure in a way that works best for them. And so, you know, our team, we love working with the CDK. We love the programmatic kind of interface that it gives around cloud formation. But the one thing that we noticed is, you know, hey, these CDK constructs, you know, they focus, they, they kind of have a single service focus. And uh, so if you want like a Lambda function, you bring in your CDK construct and you get your Lambda function in your project. And so it got us to thinking, right, if you're if you're building a lot of different applications, you know, a lot of those applications share common components. And so it kind of comes to it's it would be nice to build using kind of a multi-service approach. So if you find yourself implementing a Lambda function that can read or write to a DynamoDB table, it would be really nice to kind of templatize that and be able to provision that off the shelf and really get you working on the unique features of your application faster. And so that was really the idea behind it. And so we started developing it a little over a year and a half ago. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a growing library and I'm looking forward to diving in a little bit more with you today, Simon. Yeah, I think I think the library uh, concept is really important because it's it's not a, a one shot deal. It's a growing collection of, of solutions, and uh, I think it's it's worth pausing for a moment on on the concept of CDK because if you've been using CloudFormation for a long time, you're used to kind of you know, laying it out in a very um, structured way, whereas CDK provides far more of a, a developer sort of coding mindset to how you build out your your infrastructure and solutions on top of that. That whilst it generates the the cloud formation, it's, it's it's a different mental model, and maybe maybe help our listeners with how they should think about interacting with CDK versus how they might have interacted with uh, cloud formation. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the CDK offers that really nice, you know, rich programmatic layer um, above cloud formation, and I think one of the one of the things that really hits home you know, for us, you know, both as users as well as, you know, extenders, so to speak, of the CDK, is that you can really keep all of your, you know, your infrastructure and your business logic within the same IDE, right? That's the that's the big theme that we're going for here. And, um, you know, being able to keep everything in the same environment, even the same programming language in a lot of cases, um, you know, we find that to be really powerful for, um, for customers, developers, you know, anyone working with these great tools. So based upon that, sort of, so we have we have the CDK, we have CloudFormation, we have all these things. Then we create these AWS solution constructs. 
give us a taste of, of what they are and how a, a developer might get started with using them. Yeah. So the whole idea, like I mentioned before, with the AWS solutions constructs is we really wanted to provide an additional layer of abstraction over AWS CDK constructs. So a great example is, you know, like I said earlier, if you're a developer and you find yourself implementing a lot of Lambda functions that could read or write from a DynamoDB table, this really enables you to templatize that. And instead of configuring those individual resources over and over again, you can now do deployment in one shot. You pull it down the same way you would as an AWS CDK construct, and you put it right into your CDK project. Um, so it's a pretty seamless workflow there. And it really enables you to cut out you know, some of the repetition involved with wiring up individual services and really you know, get started developing some of the more unique features of your application or cloud solution. And at time of recording, there's 32 different solutions. And just as I scroll through the list here, you've got API Gateway to Lambda, API Gateway to SQS, AWS CloudWatch Event to SQS, um, AWS Events Rules to Step Function, uh, all these different sort of connective tissue type components that uh, if you don't have to build them, you just drag them down. You've got IoT Core to Lambda to DynamoDB. So all these components that are probably quite familiar are already there and they're all open source, aren't they? Yep, we have a fully open source model. Um, everything's available on GitHub. And, you know, we that's one of the key focuses, actually, that we're hoping to make is, you know, we really encourage customers to engage with the project over GitHub and, you know, either provide us with feedback or, um, you know, if you'd like, submit an issue, cut us a pull request, and we'd love to, you know, even include the code into the library. You know, we're always looking for that feedback loop and, um, you know, give the customers what they want. So let's talk about some of some of that growth in the project and where it's going. Get your crystal ball out and tell us what what does the team have planned in terms of uh, you know, different types of uh, solution constructs that are going to be made available and, and the way you're thinking about helping the community grow. Yeah. Um, so the crystal ball currently says you know at the moment we currently have a little bit more of serverless and IoT geared solutions constructs. And, you know, we find that those are pretty, you know, commonly used and they they represent a lot of the frequently used service interactions within the platform to date. One of the things that we're trying to do, you know, as we continue to grow the library is to kind of tap into different areas, you know, maybe dive a little bit more into the database offerings, really just expand that neural network, as you mentioned earlier, um, so that we can, you know, really make the library more useful to a greater breadth of people and enable them to build faster um, the same way that these folks doing serverless and IoT type of applications are able to do now. And, you know, like I said, I mean, we're we're really trying to drive the open source contribution model. We love hearing what folks who've already started using the project have to say. and. You know, I think that we're definitely looking to expand our open source footprint and, um, yeah, just really be able to bring in feedback from all different corners of the development world. And what has been some of that uh, feedback from some of the, the developers that have kind of taken an early foray into this and started to use it uh, in, in serious uh, applications? Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I mean, we've we've seen developers be able to really use this for anything from prototyping, proof of concepts, all the way up to actually, you know, building and implementing production ready systems. And so we've gotten a lot of really useful feedback around, you know, what types of inputs should we be providing versus, you know, another key thing with the solutions constructs is we also provide 
best practice defaults for each pattern. And so each pattern will ship with kind of an out-of-the-box configuration. And that configuration, you know, we really try to design it to align with AWS well-architected and, you know, just you know, cloud best practices so that developers can pick it up and really start building with it. So we've actually seen a good amount of success with building with solutions constructs so far. And I think a really good example of you know how these are being used in the real world now is if you go ahead and take a look at our AWS solutions implementations portfolio. We already have a couple of solutions out there that have been built with AWS solutions constructs. And a perfect example of this is our serverless image handler solution. This is one of our more popular solutions, and it basically provides a simple API that lets you request and receive images that are optimized for the devices that they're being displayed on. So if you're a web developer and you're programming a mobile or web application, you, know, you obviously wouldn't want to serve an original image that's 4,000 by 4,000 pixels to a, to a small mobile device. So what this API and what the solution does is it custom tailors the size of the image that could be in the web application to the device that it's being displayed on. And so what we're able to do with the solution is really cut down on the amount of code involved in the code base using solutions constructs, simply by you know, wrapping up multiple CDK constructs into that solutions construct. So definitely made the code base more manageable and it allows us to really iterate on our products with greater agility. So we've seen a lot of great success there using solutions constructs to kind of cut out some of the code density in our in our own products so that's been really great so far i think i think it's a great uh, great example of our old friend undifferentiated heavy lifting uh you know doing all exactly. that is hard but uh, is it really differentiating you or is it just like table stakes you've got to have it so if you can get it up and running in 10 minutes that's probably a win yep exactly i mean that's exactly what we're what we're trying to accomplish here and um yeah just cutting out some of the repetition around you know traditional infrastructure modeling yeah that's really our end goal with this now, you talked a bit about some of those prescriptive defaults, which I think are really interesting because often you, know, you can spend a long time agonizing about what the right quote-unquote defaults are for the particular services you're using or the combination of defaults. Tell us how you think about that and, and maybe a couple of worked examples of some defaults that the team have chosen to recommend to customers. Yeah, so we provide prescriptive defaults with each solutions construct for a couple of different reasons. The first is really so that we can give our customers the power to build faster and more confidently, knowing that their infrastructure is backed by AWS best practices. And the second here is really to provide the flexibility to use patterns out of the box, as I mentioned earlier, You know, if, if the customer so desires. And what this enables you to focus on is building the infrastructure that works you know, for your application without having to worry too much about the fine-grained details up front. Now, it's important to note that you know, while we do provide these best practice defaults, the solutions constructs are still fully customizable. Um, so you have that flexibility to fine-tune the pattern and make it work the way that is best for your particular application. And so a couple of examples of this, you know, we've probably seen them before. It can be things like logging for AWS Lambda functions, um, providing that log output to CloudWatch. And this would give you greater visibility into how your function's behaving, if any errors might be being thrown based on the inputs. And, you know, kind of things like that. Another great example is adding a dead letter queue by default for Amazon SQS queues to help handle messages that can't be processed or consumed you know, successfully by a source queue that might be in the pattern. 
so just a couple of different examples there of the exact prescriptive defaults that we do provide. And Simon, I think one interesting thing that you know we're kind of excited to present our customers with that we've been working on is, you know, it gives them peace of mind. We provide a override notification service too. So if you end up applying some customizations to the pattern, you'll get some verbose output in the console that gives you a heads up and says, hey, you know, you might have overridden the default. Are you sure you want to do this? And, you know, we we think that that'll really help give customers peace of mind and, you know, as a result, reduce the risk of maybe changing something that they that they might not have intended to. So just another additional fail safe and something that we think will help builders be able to build better and enhance the experience there. That's a good that's a good call out because often often we tinker with the defaults thinking what what could possibly go wrong. And uh, yep. if you don't know what the result is, <laughs> stuff can go wrong. <laughs> and right. what, what about from a, a development language perspective? What, what sort of languages do developers use for this? Yeah, so currently customers can build with solutions constructs using TypeScript, JavaScript, Python, and Java. And we have support for C Sharp on the way. And I think generally as a customer, you can expect us to follow the same language support model as the AWS Cloud Development Kit uh, CDK. So, you know, if a new supported language comes online for that product, you can expect us to be following suit and supporting that as well, since we were really aiming to be that extension library of the CDK to make building with architecture patterns a little bit easier. So once once people have finished building their solution, you know, we, we tend to focus a lot on the development time, but it's actually, you know, the, the testing, the deployment, the distribution, the maintenance. Uh, what, is, what do these solution constructs have in that realm to make it a bit easier? Yeah, this is actually one of my favorite parts of the AWS solutions constructs and CDK value proposition is the testing and deployment. So when you're all done building your solution, um, you're pretty much able to enjoy the same set of advanced testing and deployment capabilities at your fingertips as you would with a normal CDK project. In terms of testing, there's really three types of test cases you can employ to help ensure that your architecture is modeled and provisioned the way you would expect it to be. The first of those is unit tests. These are resource and property level assertions that you can write to test the configuration of individual components. And you can really do this using familiar test suites such as Jest. And that really speaks to earlier, you know, keeping everything in the same programming language. Basically, what your developers or what you're familiar with already um, is really, really nice to have when it comes to fleshing out the infrastructure. Kind of a layer up from there, we have our snapshot tests, which are really point in time captures of your infrastructure stack that allow for comparisons when changes are made over time. And so this kind of speaks to the lifecycle component where, you know, if you're making an update and it might affect your previous configuration, you'll be made aware of it to help reduce the risk of unintentional changes. And we think this is a really nice fail safe to have as a developer. The last thing you'd want to do is push, you know, an infrastructure. <laughs> a breaking change. <laughs> exactly. Something that you didn't even know is in there right into production. So we love the snapshot tests. And then finally, we have integration tests. And these provide end-to-end -end deployment validation for different deployment scenarios. And an example of this would be testing the expected output of an off-the-shelf pattern, you know, versus one that might have some customizations applied. So a lot of exciting capabilities um, when it comes to testing your solution. And then kind of once you wrap that up, I'll just detail three of the many approaches to deployment that you can consider when getting ready to roll out your project. 
The first is, you know, you can deploy directly into the cloud from the comfort of your IDE. And this can be done using the CDK deploy command, which will take care of synthesizing and ultimately deploying your stack with AWS CloudFormation into your account. Second, we also have the capability to synthesize your project into a CloudFormation package using the CDK synth command. This really gives you a nice distributable form if you want to pass it around, iterate on it, kind of whatever your workflow might be. And then finally, we have CDK pipelines, which let you do a full CI-CD integration. And this is one of my favorite ways to, to deploy just because you get all of the nice kind of structure that comes with having a, a deployment pipeline. And, um, you know, it really adds another potential fail-safe and layer of protection when it comes to building those, those bigger, more mature production systems. So those are really our options there in terms of testing and deployment. A lot of the same great capabilities as the CDK. And, um, you know, you get that, you get to enjoy that same great thing with solutions constructs. Yeah. You kind of, kind of get that for free. And I do like the, uh, the, the, the deployment pipeline capability because it's, it's kind of one of those things that you sort of, you typically, you know, you start a project and if you, you know, we, we all have good intentions to have all the uh, CIC CD built up front, but we sort of, you know, get a bit excited about the features functions and my, my prototype suddenly turns into production um, and then you've got to go back and retrofit. Whereas if you can just start straight up with minimal effort, it makes it kind of easy to get going and, and know that you're future-proofing yourself. Right, indeed. And so, Ryan, where do people find these? Like, where do they look? So you can find these in a couple of different places. Um, really, the best place to dive in is with our GitHub repository. That's where you'll see, you know, obviously the most up-to-date collection of solutions constructs. And you also get a lot of good visibility into, you know, what the customers are saying, what kind of features are being worked on, and also where the project's heading. We have a good version of our roadmap up there. Yeah, we, I mean, that's a great place to get started. But then, you know, kind of beyond that, you can find solutions constructs on any of those major package managers that I mentioned before. So, you know, your NPM, PyPy, Maven, you know, we have we have them available pretty much wherever the CDK constructs are. So, um, you know, very accessible and easy to get started with them. That's nice. We want to have it have it at the fingertips of the developer. So it's right there to go. Hey, Ryan, thanks Precise. so much for coming on the podcast today and uh, sharing a little bit more about AWS solutions constructs. Yep. Thanks, Simon, for having me. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We do love to get your feedback. AWS Podcast at Amazon.com is the place to do it. And until next time, keep on building.